section one hundred thirteen of the mysteries of london volume three this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by dion gines salt lake city utah the mysteries of london volume three by george w m reynolds chapter one hundred seven a tale of sorrow part one it was about thirty years ago that a poor but respectable and kind-hearted tradesman of the name of craddock came up from plymouth to london to receive a hundred pounds which had fallen to him through the death of a relative of whom he had not heard for years until he received the lawyer's letter announcing his decease and the legacy craddock was a linen-draper in a very small way at plymouth and though industrious temperate and obliging he never had succeeded in doing anything better than earning a mere living he was about forty-five years of age at the time of which i am speaking and had long been married to a woman as generous-souled as himself they were childless and in spite of their poverty they often regretted that they had no offspring to become the object of their affection and to comfort them when old age should overtake them indeed it appears that they had seriously thought of adopting some poor person's child but circumstances of various kinds had opposed this plan and they at last ceased to converse upon it endeavouring to render themselves as happy as they could in each other's society and happy for that matter they were too for the mutual attachment which linked their hearts together was firmly established and as they advanced in years they seemed to become so necessary to each other that when craddock received the lawyer's letter summoning him to london it was with the greatest difficulty his wife would allow him to set out alone he however succeeded in making her understand that a hundred pounds did not constitute an independent fortune that it was absolutely necessary to carry on the shop and that therefore she must remain at home to manage it accordingly the worthy dame tarried at plymouth and her husband came up to london by the stage at that period a journey of no inconsiderable importance it was the first time mr craddock had ever been in the metropolis but he did not stay a moment longer than his business absolutely compelled him which was four or five days the lawyer with whom he had to transact his little affair was a kind and conscientious man for there are many good lawyers as well as bad ones and he hastened the business as much as possible accordingly mr craddock received his money in less than a week and he instantly went to the belle sauvage on ludgate hill to take his place home again by the coach there was only one inside seat vacant by the stage that was to start in the evening and craddock secured it he then returned to the little lodging where he had slept during his sojourn in london and which was somewhere in the neighbourhood of doctors commons 
having packed up his portmanteau he shouldered it and was wending his way to the belle sauvage when his attention was drawn to a little boy who was sitting on a doorstep in one of the narrow secluded streets in that district the child who was very neatly dressed and about two years old was crying bitterly craddock stopped and spoke kindly to him and though the boy was too young to give any explanation of the cause of his grief it was easy to divine that he had strayed from home or been lost by a negligent servant two or three other persons stopped likewise and some of the neighbors came out of their houses but the boy was unknown to them craddock tried to console him but the little fellow wept as if his heart would break by accident the parish beetle passed that way and on learning what was the matter said oh the best thing i can do is to take the poor child to the workhouse now the mere name of a workhouse was terrible to the ears of the kind-hearted craddock and obeying the impulse of the moment he exclaimed no no not while i have a crust to give him poor child why don't you take him home with you then demanded the beetle the parish will be very glad to be quit of such a bargain as a lost child promises to be but i live at plymouth returned honest john craddock never mind if you live at the devil so as you agree to take the child persisted the parochial authority well i have not the least objection on the contrary i shall be delighted to do so said craddock his eyes filling with tears as the poor boy's grief became more heart-rending i will give you my address and if you hear any inquiries made by the parents of the child you can let me know very good exclaimed the beetle as he received the card on which john craddock's name calling and abode were printed in bold type the worthy linen-draper then took up the boy in his arms the beetle consenting to carry the portmanteau and in this manner they proceeded to the belle sauvage the kind looks soothing tone and fond caresses of craddock having the effect of somewhat diminishing the little fellow's grief the coach was just ready to start and craddock took his place with the child upon his knees the beetle renewed his promise to write in case he should hear anything relative to the boy's parents and the stage rolled out of the old inn-yard it was evening the shops glared with light and the scene as well as the ride in the coach amused the boy so that his violent weeping ceased but frequent sobs agitated his little chest until at last he fell asleep in worthy john craddock's arms it was now for the first time that the linen-draper had leisure to reflect upon the step which he had taken and it struck him that he had acted imprudently he was taking away the child from the city to which he most probably belonged and where he was alone likely to be found by his parents taking him away to a far distant town but on the other hand he remembered the beetle's declaration that the lost child must be conveyed to the workhouse and he likewise felt certain that should the little creature's parents make proper inquiries concerning their child the parochial authority would know what explanation to give 
craddock therefore came to the conclusion that he had performed a christian deed and an englishman's duty and having thus set all scruples at rest he began to reflect upon the pleasure which his wife would experience in receiving the foundling for the child was a most interesting one with curly flaxen hair sparkling blue eyes and a sweet complexion and as he lay sleeping in craddock's arms and the lights of the shops in the outskirts of london which the coach was then traversing beamed through the window upon the boy's countenance the worthy linen-draper thought that he had never seen a face so truly cherub-like but tears came afresh into the worthy man's eyes for he reflected that an afflicted father and a distracted mother might at that moment be calling upon heaven to restore them their lost child and as he bent down and kissed its cool and firm cheeks on which the traces of weeping still remained he murmured to himself if thy parents never succeed in recovering thee my boy i will be as a father and i know that my wife will be as a mother to thee the other inside passengers admired the child greatly but when honest john craddock told them the story connected with his possession of the boy they merely hemmed and coughed dryly as if they thought him a very great fool for so burthening himself craddock understood what was passing in their minds and he only hugged the child closer to his bosom during the night the little fellow frequently awoke and cried for his papa and mamma and the good linen-draper was indefatigable in his exertions to console and comfort him uttering all possible kind things and purchasing nice cakes for him at the wayside inns throughout the following day too craddock was compelled to persevere in this affectionate and conciliatory treatment which he however maintained with a good heart and as the long tedious journey of two hundred and sixteen miles drew towards a close and evening was again drawing on he had the satisfaction of observing that his little charge seemed to appreciate or at least to understand his attentions at last the coach entered the famous seaport and in a very short time craddock was set down at his own door the stage passing through the street in which he lived you may suppose that his wife was greatly astonished when she perceived the present that the worthy linen-draper had brought her but she was not many moments before she took the child in her arms and covered it with kisses then how the kind-hearted dame wept when craddock explained to her the manner in which he had become possessed of the boy and as he spoke she pressed the little being all the closer and all the more fondly to her bosom the social tea-table was spread and the servant-girl was sent out to procure some cakes and other nice things for the boy and then how he was petted and made much of and how happy the good couple seemed when their attentions and caresses were rewarded with smiles several days passed during which craddock received no intelligence from the beadle who had promised to write him in case of enquiries being instituted respecting the lost child weeks elapsed and still no tidings the idea i had almost said the fear 
which the worthy couple entertained that they might be compelled to part with the child just as they were getting fond of it grew gradually fainter and fainter and at length when six months had passed and little alexander for so they called the boy had grown not only reconciled to his condition but appeared to have forgotten that it had ever been otherwise by the time six months had passed i say mr and mrs craddock ceased to contemplate even the chance of being called upon to surrender their charge not but that those excellent people would have rejoiced in one sense to restore little alexander to the arms of his parents but in another sense they could not quench in their secret souls the fond hope that he might be left undisturbedly in their care thus time passed on craddock's business which had only required a little capital to give it an impetus exhibited every sign of improvement since the investment therein of the hundred pounds received in london and alexander throve apace i shall now take a leap of twenty years which brings us up to a date of only ten years ago and at that time great alterations but all for the better had taken place in the circumstances of the craddocks indeed they had retired from business having made a considerable fortune and were settled in a handsome dwelling at a short distance from plymouth their native town craddock and his wife had however descended tolerably far into the vale of life sixty-five winters having passed over their heads but in alexander now a fine tall handsome young man of twenty-two they had a source of real comfort and happiness though acquainted with the circumstance which had led to his adoption by mr and mrs craddock and therefore knowing well that they were not his real parents his attachment to them was so great his affection so sincere and his gratitude so boundless that he never once manifested any desire to quit them for the purpose of instituting inquiries relative to his birth his constant and unwearied endeavour was to show himself deserving of all they had done for him the tender care they had taken of him in his infancy the excellent education they had given him in his boyhood and the affectionate consideration with which they treated him now that he was grown to man's estate for in all respects did they regard him as their son and in this light was he looked upon by their friends and dependents in fact nothing was wanting to complete the happiness of alexander craddock he had become enamoured of a beautiful girl the orphan daughter of an officer in the navy and who resided at plymouth with an old aunt lucy middleton had no fortune but she possessed the invaluable treasures of amiability of disposition a sweet temper a kind heart and those sterling qualities which fitted her for domesticity and gave promise that she would prove an admirable housewife alexander loved her and was loved in return and his adopted parents gave their consent to the match accordingly one fine spring morning when the heavens appeared as auspicious as the prospects of the youthful pair the hands of alexander craddock and lucy middleton were united and after a six weeks tour in wales they returned to plymouth 
to take possession of a commodious and handsome dwelling which the adopted father of the young man had furnished during their absence for their reception a year passed away at the expiration of which lucy presented her husband with a lovely boy but almost at the same time the family experienced a severe loss in the death of old mr craddock who was carried off in a moment by the lightning stroke of apoplexy alexander was dreadfully grieved at this shocking occurrence a feeling in which his excellent young wife largely shared but they were compelled to restrain their sorrow as much as possible in order to console the bereaved widow mrs craddock was however unable to bear up against this heavy affliction the suddenness of its arrival and the awful manner in which her husband fell down dead at her feet when as it were in the midst of a state of perfect health gave her a shock which she never recovered she was spirit-broken and could not rally in spite of the tender devotion and unwearied attentions shown her by alexander and lucy as well as by the aunt of the latter thus it was that in less than six weeks from the sudden demise of mr craddock his affectionate relict was consigned to the same tomb which held his remains when alexander had so far recovered himself after experiencing these cruel inroads upon his happiness as to investigate the affairs of his late adopted parents he found that he was left sole heir to the handsome fortune acquired by their honest industry but though the will and other papers were strictly correct and accurate in all points he found that certain circumstances connected with his inheritance would compel him to repair to london and probably retain him in the capital for some weeks he was not sorry at the idea of quitting plymouth for a time his spirits having been deeply affected by the deaths of his adopted parents and he found lucy and her aunt who now lived altogether with them perfectly agreeable to shift their place of abode it was accordingly about eight years ago that this family arrived in london and took a house in a genteel but quiet neighbourhood alexander found his income chiefly derived from funded property to be seven hundred a year and on this he knew that he could live well but not extravagantly a natural curiosity which was the more lively now that he had lost his adopted parents prompted him to make certain enquiries in the district of doctors commons with the hope of solving the mystery of his birth the only intelligence he gleaned was that the beetle who figured in the opening of the tale had been dead just twenty-two years and as alexander was now twenty-four he could calculate pretty accurately that the parochial authority alluded to must have been carried off by the hand of the destroyer within a few weeks if not within even a very few days from the date when he himself as a young child had fallen into the charge of craddock beyond this fact alexander could ascertain nothing at all calculated to assist in rolling away the veil of mystery which covered his parentage none of the inhabitants in the street where craddock had found him sitting on the doorstep remembered anything of the loss of a child at the period named 
no tradition of the fact remained alexander felt somewhat disappointed with these unsuccessful results of his enquiries but he possessed too many elements of happiness too many substantial accessories to comfort and mental tranquillity to remain long affected or dispirited by the apparent permanence of that mystery which enveloped his birth alexander was naturally of an active disposition and abhorred a life of idleness he had been married two years and was the father of two children and contemplating the probability of having a numerous offspring he felt anxious to augment his worldly possessions my adopted father he would reason with himself carried on business until a late period of his life and was happy in the occupation which it afforded him why should not i embark in some eligible and safe undertaking which will give me a few hours employment every day and yield a profit at the same time the subject of his musings was communicated to his amiable wife and her aunt and those ladies joyfully encouraged a spirit so praiseworthy and so indicative of steadiness and prudence the matter had been under discussion one morning at the breakfast-table when the daily newspaper was brought in and an announcement worded somewhat in this way met alexander's eyes eligible investment any gentleman having a few thousand pounds at his immediate disposal and desirous to occupy a few leisure hours each day in a highly respectable and advantageous manner is requested to apply to edward walkden solicitor bush lane cannon street alexander read this advertisement aloud and the ladies agreed with him that the nature of it was tempting enough to prompt farther inquiry accordingly the young man proceeded in the course of the morning to the address indicated and found mr walkden's establishment to be large and having every appearance of respectability as well as solidity half a dozen clerks were busily employed in the front office and the shelves were covered with japanned tin cases containing the papers of the most substantial clients upon being introduced into the lawyer's private office alexander found himself in the presence of a tall man whose years were upwards of sixty and whose countenance once handsome wore an expression of mingled mournfulness and severity he was attired in a plain suit of black his manners were cold and reserved but there was a business-like air about him and his office which augmented the good opinion already entertained by alexander in respect to the lawyer and his establishment walkden was evidently a man of very few words and therefore when alexander had explained the object of his visit the information he sought was speedily given i have a client said the lawyer who has taken out a patent for a particular purpose and he requires five or six thousand pounds to work it effectually the person advancing the amount will become an equal partner with the patentee and will find a few hours of pleasant and agreeable occupation daily in superintending the commercial branch of the concern while the patentee directs the manufacture of the article there are the papers sir take them with you and read them at your leisure walkden handed the young man a bundle of documents tied round with red tape 
and then bowed him out of the office on his return home alexander examined the papers and was highly delighted with the prospect which they opened to him he felt convinced that an immense fortune was to be made the thing was as clear as daylight the patentee possessed the secret of effecting vast improvements in the manufacture of broadcloths which he undertook to produce not only of a superior quality but likewise at a very reduced price the calculation showed that large returns were certain to follow a comparatively small outlay and that the business might be extended to a wonderful degree in proportion to the capital advanced to work upon in a word the whole affair was of the most roseate hue alexander his wife and her aunt were in raptures at the brilliant prospect thus fortunately opened to their contemplation and it was resolved that he should lose no time in securing a share of so excellent an undertaking accordingly on the following morning he returned to mr walkden who received him with cold politeness and requested his speedy decision in the matter as so promising a business had already attracted the notice of several capitalists who were eager and willing to embark their funds and you will guarantee the respectability of your client sir inquired alexander i have been established in this profession for upwards of thirty years young man said the lawyer almost sternly and never have i allowed my office to be made the means of carrying out an illegitimate transaction my client mr scudamore is a man of integrity and honour and whatever he promises that will he perform in this case mr walkden observed alexander craddock the sooner i have an interview with mr scudamore the better the lawyer made no farther observation but furnished his visitor with the address of the patentee and alexander accordingly repaired to mr scudamore's dwelling which was situated somewhere near finsbury square mr scudamore was an elderly person very well dressed plausible in his discourse and over polite in his manners in fact he seemed to be the very reverse of his solicitor in respect to disposition for he received alexander as if he had known him all his life and the young man found himself sitting at lunch and on the best possible terms with his new friend almost before he had time to look round him then if the affair which thus brought them together had looked well upon paper it assumed so glorious an aspect when described in the glowing language of mr scudamore that alexander craddock generous frank and confiding as he naturally was came to a complete understanding with the patentee ere he took his departure on the following day scudamore dined at his house and the ladies were quite charmed with their new acquaintance matters progressed rapidly through the business-like attention which walkden devoted to the affair and in less than a fortnight the deeds of partnership between alexander craddock and james scudamore were duly signed at the lawyer's office in bush lane cannon street immediately afterwards alexander sold out six thousand pounds which he paid into a bank to the joint account of craddock and scudamore 
and in the course of a few days the latter gentleman took his departure for a manufacturing town where he was to hire premises and establish a factory without delay alexander remaining in london to prepare a warehouse to receive the goods for some months all appeared to go on to the complete satisfaction of both parties scudamore wrote up the most pleasing accounts from the country and at last he informed his young partner that the factory was in perfect readiness to commence operations it however appeared that more money was required and alexander after an interview with walkden threw a farther sum of four thousand pounds into the business all the funds being completely at the disposal of scudamore but almost immediately after the advance of this second sum the letters from the provincial town ceased several weeks passed away no communications were received from scudamore and mr walkden appeared to be as astonished as alexander himself a visit to the banker created a vague suspicion in the mind of the young man that all was not right for though scudamore had drawn out the first amount by means of a number of successive checks he had received the whole of the second advance on one draft and almost immediately after it had been paid in a little farther inquiry convinced alexander that walkden had presented all the checks for payment at the bank without however losing a moment by calling on the lawyer for an explanation alexander proceeded post haste to the provincial town where he expected to find scudamore and there all his fears were speedily confirmed no premises had been hired by any such person no factory established in such a name but mr scudamore had resided at a hotel in the place for several months and had taken his departure no one knew whither on a date which on calculation alexander found to be precisely four days after he had paid the second sum into the banker's hands no doubt now remained in his mind that he was the dupe of a designing villain and he was convinced that walkden was an accomplice to london he returned without delay and on his arrival he repaired direct to the lawyer's office that professional gentleman received him with his usual cold and reserved politeness affecting not even to notice the excitement under which the young man was laboring End of section one hundred thirteen